morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. Part of my crazy faith was hearing that last part, and it was so bassy that it made me shake inside, and I was like, oh, I don't think I like that. <laughs> crazy faith. But well, we are in a series called Crazy Faith, and this is the final week of the series before we jump into Nehemiah, and uh, it's going to be a great, a great series. I'm looking forward to the book of Nehemiah, but we have covered a lot of ground in Crazy Faith. We started with Crazy Faith, we kicked it off as, as uh, this idea that trusting God with, with things that seemingly seem impossible, unrealistic, doesn't make sense, and then we backed up and said, okay, but in order to ever get to Crazy Faith, there's a bunch of other faiths, there's baby faith and there's maybe faith, there's this wavy faith, and we looked at Bible stories that God has given us about Daniel or about Peter or about Jesus and the disciples and their faith. But today, we're going to talk about a faith that you have to have in order to have any of those well. The baseline faith, the foundational faith. And I think it's apropos that it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you fathers. I think it is... uh, appropriate because I think this is a lesson that a message that I've been challenged with as a dad and I think it I think it works Um, and the faith we're going to look at today is daily faith daily faith daily faith is defined as believing we must prepare daily in the small moments for what God will do in the big moments The idea would be that if we don't have daily faith, how could we ever expect to reach back in a greater faith when the storms of life come? If we don't have daily faith, some foundation of faith, how could we ever look for crazy faith or wavy faith? Peter stepping out on the water, on the waves, walking on the water. This isn't a concept that's only true of faith. This, this concept of having something that you start with and then building on it is true of a bunch of different things. Um, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, they, they never got to the, to the Super Bowl by just showing up in their first NFL game saying, yeah, everything's going to be great and throwing the ball around. They started with daily practice, daily, 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 work, 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 work. And they built on that practice to eventually get to something great. Nobody, that's probably not true, somebody probably has. Most of us don't get into a vehicle, sit down for the very first time in the driver's seat and drive all the way to Yellowstone. No. We take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trips around the block or into town. Those little three-mile trips daily way before we ever get into the driver's seat and drive to Yellowstone. There's a reason why most of us don't give birth to five children at one time. (laughs) Because there's a process. There's a reason why we don't give birth to 13-year-old girls. Because there's a process. And as a father... I'm glad my daughters weren't born as 13-year-old girls because I needed daily to learn how to parent 
my sons and daughters. I have five children. Um, there's a reason why we have all that time. Because then when the storms of life come, in my teenager or 20s daughter's lives, I have something that I can draw on to help them out. You see, it's not just faith that needs daily attention, daily exercise. It's, it's every area of life. Here, here's what I wrote down. If we want to be people of great faith who are able to be used in huge ways for God in supernatural moments, we have to learn to practice daily faith. If you have your Bibles today, I hope you do, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to look at the man named Daniel. Daniel's pretty well known. Some of you probably have heard of Daniel. And there's one story in, in the book of Daniel that more people know than, than other stories about Daniel. It has to do with lions. And we are, we're going to look at the story of, of Daniel in the lion's den, except we're never going to get to the den See, we're going to look at Daniel's life before the den. Daniel was a, uh, a refugee. He was somebody who was, who was captured in Israel and, and taken by captive to Babylon as a teenager. Uh, he had to learn all the Babylonian cultures. And ultimately, we find him in Daniel chapter 6. So we're going to look in Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to focus on what happened before the lion's den, okay? So Daniel 6, let's, let's start with verse 1. Daniel 6, verse 1. Here's what it says. It pleased Darius, that's the king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So so King Darius, he's the, the king of Babylon. He decides he's going to restructure the government. And he says, I'm going to put 120 governors over different people all across the nation, the empire. And I'm going to have three presidents, so to speak, who are going to keep the 120 accountable. One of the three was Daniel. So let's see. Verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel was head and shoulders above everybody else, and he was head and shoulders above the three presidents. He was one of them. And so it says King Darius, because of his exceptional qualities was going to make Daniel his right-hand man. Verse 4, At this, the administrators and the satraps, the other ones, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. Okay, so 120 politicians 
three politicians, one of them's Daniel, they decide, we, this guy Daniel, he's a foreigner. He's from, he's from, from Israel. He, he's a Hebrew. He's not even a Babylonian. And now he's so distinguished himself in the eyes of the king that the king's about ready to make him more important than the rest of us. We don't want that to happen. But we're trying to find some way to get him, and we can't find anything. This is a man of upstanding character. We've looked into his life. We can't find any place where he's compromising. We've watched him govern, and if we could just trick him, but we can't quite find anything. And then they admit it. They say, in fact, the only way we're ever going to get this guy is if we get him in his faith. He's got a relationship with his God. That's where we need to trick him. That's where we need to get him. Verse 6 says, uh, So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king, and they said, May King Darius live forever. The royal, the royal administrators, precepts, sat, uh, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, must be thrown into the lion's den. Okay, so here's their plan. What we're going to do is we're going to go before the king and we're going to flatter him. We're going to tell him how great he is. We're going to say, you are awesome, hey, king. You're great. You're the best. In fact, you're so good that nobody, nobody should pray to anybody except you for the next 30 days. Well, I would think King Darius was like, yeah. Where is the bad in that? It would be like somebody coming in, okay, fathers. <clears throat> Happy Father's Day. We decided that today we don't want you to do anything all day. In fact, if anybody's going to serve anybody in the whole house, it's only going to be you for the next 30 days. Hey, Father's Day. I like that. The next 30 days. So King Darius, of course, thinks it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. Nobody's going to shop anywhere in all of Binghamton except your store. <laughs> yeah. So they go on, verse 8. Now your majesty, issue the decree and make it and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now the Medes and the Persians had a law that said, if a law is proclaimed, it can be retracted. But if a law is written down, it has to be adhered to. So they knew that, and they said, write it down. Let's write it down. Let's make it official. Yeah, because you're so great. Let's make it official. Okay, dot the I's, cross the T's. We're getting this thing through. Apparently, Daniel had established 
a pattern of daily faith that they knew would become a problem for him. A moral dilemma, so to say. So we see that moral dilemma in verse 10. Here's what he says. Verse 10, chapter 6. It says, Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. What did Daniel do? He just continued to live daily faith. It says three times a day, just like he had done before. Nothing new for Daniel. He didn't take new extreme measures. Daniel had established daily faith in his life. Daniel's probably been in Babylon 70 years at this point. So a long time. Daniel has established daily faith in his life. And when this storm comes, and Daniel weighs, pray to my God, pray to King Darius. End up getting fed to the lions, pray to King Darius. He just said, well, I'm going to pray to my God. Three times a day. In verse 11, it actually says that he prayed to God for help. It says that they came and they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So, daily faith. That's what daily faith looks like. When the storm comes, nothing changed for Daniel. Why? Because he had established daily faith. I don't know how I would respond in a situation like that. I, I, I fear that I would cower in my bedroom and pray to God. I, I remember, <clears throat> I remember in, in school, um, I, I knew I was supposed to pray before I ate lunch. It was something that my parents had taught me and I knew it was I should give thanks to God, and so I would, uh, I would sometimes fake, fake the napkin prayer. I don't know if you've ever done that, but <clears throat> I would drop my napkin, <clears throat> excuse me, drop my napkin on the floor and then bound, bend down and pick it up, and thank you, God, so much for this food, amen, and then eat my lunch. <clears throat> there were other times when I did the brown bag prayer where I would see what mom gave me for lunch, and thank you, God, for my food, amen, and eat my lunch. Um, Not real strong proclamations of standing on daily faith. Um, But Daniel, right in front of that window, what are the chances Daniel knew they were watching? I'd say pretty good. He didn't care. Daily faith. Daily faith, believing we must prepare daily in the small amounts, in the small moments, for what God will do in the big moments. See, I think sometimes we get this backwards, and we don't recognize our dependence or exercise our dependence on God 
through the mundane daily stuff, we think that when the big stuff comes, that's when we're going to show our dependence on God. Oh, but, but yeah, I don't want to bother God with all these little prayers. Yeah, you know, but when something big comes along, I can handle this stuff. But when something big comes, I'm saving my prayer time for that. <clears throat> but not Daniel. And I don't think God wants us to either. It, it's not when the diagnosis comes back from the doctor that we begin our faith journey. <clears throat> it's not when our spouse says they're going to leave us that we begin our faith journey. It's not when we find out that we're pregnant again that we begin our faith journey. No, it, daily faith starts way before the storm. Daily faith is what takes us through the storm. Believing we must prepare daily in the small moments, sometimes even mundane feeling moments, for what God will do in the big moments. So, so what does this look like for us? <clears throat> I think we need to condition ourselves for what God might call us to do. I, I think it's a life of conditioning ourselves so that when the storm comes, we will be ready. And <clears throat> I wrote down four spiritual exercises that we need to condition. <clears throat> See, I think, I think faith is a muscle, and if it is not worked, if it is not exercised, it will not be very useful, <clears throat> and it will not be very strong. So I want to give you four spiritual exercises that I think we all need to do so that we can have enough faith for the storms. And the first one is, these, these are... These are Kind of, kind of understood, but talk to God. Prayer is number one. Talk to God. Pray. Daily pray. I, I remember my mom set an example of prayer in my life. My mom, uh, to this day, 5.30 every morning, kneeling by the green chair, in our living room, my mom prays. My mom is a prayer warrior, and I remember many, 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 many times in my life <clears throat> walking out into the living room and seeing my mom, catching my mom doing battle with God by the green chair. What an example that set for me. Fathers, what an example that sets for our children. You see, I, I think sometimes as a father, I get confused, I get, I get deceived. I think that I need to do these big grand things for my children so that they remember how great a dad I am. And yet when I think back to what I remember about my father, I don't even remember what he got me for my 16th birthday. Insignificant. I don't remember what he got me for my wedding. Insignificant. I don't remember what he got any of my children when they were born. Insignificant. You know what I remember about my dad? 
the example he set in consistent faith to God. I remember my dad having prayer time every morning. He would leave every morning and go to McDonald's and get a 49 cent of coffee, sent coffee, and read his Bible and pray every morning. That's what I remember about my dad. I remember my dad leading our family in prayer every night as a family. See, he set examples over time that are way more significant than the 16th birthday, than the amazing trip to Disneyland. It was his consistent example of godliness and daily faith that marked my life forever. Men, don't underestimate the power of a consistent example in daily faith. We just saw Wyatt, little Wyatt up here, and Bob standing up here. You know, Bob's not the only one. All of us men need to be setting consistent daily faith examples to our kids. Young fathers, you've got an amazing opportunity to set daily faith examples of consistency for your children. Grandparents, set those examples for your grandkids. And the first one is, is talk to God. How does this look? <clears throat> you know what? I, I, I don't know how this would look for you. Um, there are ways that it looks like for, for my wife and I that may be very different than you. My wife and I pray together every night. Once we're in bed, we pray together. All the kids are somewhere now. I would say they're all in bed, but they're not because <laughs> some of them stay up later than we do. But um, wherever they are, um, we pray. And we have prayed together every night since the day we were born. Or born. Since the day we were married. That would be awkward. Um, <laughs> since the day we were married, we have prayed together uh, every night. Just a, an opportunity to build daily faith. We pray together as a family before bed every night. In fact, when the children were small, we would all kneel and put all of our heads together. This was not super spiritual. It was just child care. Because if one of them was goofing off, I could flick them in the head while we were praying, and they would shape up. <laughs> so it was really more logistics than anything. But we still kneel as a family and pray every night. Some of our kids are gone. They've left the house. We, we pray with the ones that are left. Um, talk to God. Meals are a great chance to stop and talk to God. Jeff said, turn off your devices. What a great opportunity to talk to each other. But begin by talking to God. Just set an example. Maybe it's in the morning before your feet hit the floor. My wife is a, a morning prayer. And so before her feet hit the floor, she spent extensive time with God. I love to pray in the car. Just, I, I don't turn the radio on. And any time I'm traveling in a vehicle alone, I am praying. It's, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to listen to sports radio anyway. I would just be wasting my time. So why not talk to God? And I pray out loud because I get very distracted because 
I have ADD or something. I don't know. They didn't diagnose that when I was a boy. They just said, he's very hyper. I was like, yes, I am. Um, but I just, I pray out loud, so I keep my train of thought. People see me, they probably think I'm singing. I don't know. But I'm praying. Find those times to build your daily faith in prayer. <clears throat> Number two, hear from God or, or read your Bible. <clears throat> read your Bible. Pray. Daily faith. Read God's Word. Read your Bible. It says in, in Hebrews or in Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from God, from his word. And the only way we get God's word is if we read it. Read it. Spend time in it. Well, I'm not a reader. Then download the version app. <clears throat> download the version app. It will read it for you. All you have to do is listen. You click the little play button and it will read the, the devotional for the day. It will read the passage. version Bible app is so amazing. You can go in and you can look for, you know, I'm really struggling with anxiety. Okay, hey, here's a Bible study on anxiety. Seven days. What does God's word say about anxiety? Yeah, it's not really anxiety, it's really worry. Oh no, they have worry. I really want to know, you know, what are these men of faith in the Bible? What were they like? Hey, here's a, here's a Bible study, a devotional on Abraham. For the next seven mornings, or the next seven nights, I can do a devotional study. I can read the Bible about Abraham. My small group just started a study on Elisha yesterday. It's a 13-day study, and so I think it was 18 people from our, our small group, the, the small group we have in Montrose, and they all signed up. We do it as a group, and we comment on what God's teaching us or challenging us. It's great. The U version Bible app, but read your Bible, read your Bible, dads, dads. Listen, let your kids see you reading your Bible. They should see me reading my Bible more than they see me reading the newspaper. That doesn't happen anymore. They should see me reading my Bible more than I'm watching Sports Center. They should see us. In daily faith. What an opportunity, man. What an opportunity to demonstrate daily faith to our wives, to our children. Prayer, Bible reading. Number three, connect with God's family, community. We are called to do life together. Hebrews 10. Verse 24 and 25, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as the day approaches. One of our core values at Bridgewater is life is better connected. Connected with other people who love Jesus. Daniel started that way, and Daniel 1 we read about how Daniel and his friends were dragged away from Israel, from, from Jerusalem, and they were taken to Babylon. His three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they did life together. And they lived together, and they spent time together, and 
when there was danger or something coming, I, they, they got together in, in Daniel 1 and they prayed together. They said, we've got to pray because the king said he's going to put everybody to death if we don't do something. And they, they prayed together. They were doing life together. I have a, a man that I meet with almost every Thursday morning. And we have for, for years. In fact, I've, I've met in an accountability group with other men almost every week for the last 20 years. Why? Because it helps me build my daily faith. That's why. Because left to myself by default, I don't grow closer to God by default. I grow closer to God by active. And by active, I mean surrounding myself with people who are doing life with me and want to grow in their love for Jesus too. And that grows my faith, my daily faith. Because they sit across the table from me and they say, did you read your Bible this week? How many days? <laughs> did you memorize a verse? Quote it. Did you make your wife cry this week? Good. You didn't. I just had to put that in there in case you thought it was the other way. <laughs> Good, you didn't. Um, did you spend meaningful time with one of your children this week? And, and they just ask me, questions. And I ask them questions. Why? Because we're in storms? No. Because daily faith sets the foundation for our lives. So that when my son or daughter comes with a storm in their life, I have faith I can draw on to help them through their storm. When a storm comes in my own life, I have a faith that I can draw on through the storm. The, the fourth, the fourth uh, exercise, serve God's sheep. Serving. I believe uh, some of the best dads in the world are the best servants, the best servers. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but if you want to be a great dad, be a great servant. If you want to be a great grandpa, be a great servant. That means you go to work and you work as hard as you can. You come home and you work as hard as you can, building relationships, building into your family, serving them, loving them, being in the community, serving, being at church, serving. I think the best fathers are the best servants. See, there's something special about a dad getting up to get their daughter a napkin because she needs a napkin at the table and allowing them to see that dad's not above getting their daughter a napkin or filling her glass with water or saying, oh, you like this candy? Okay, yeah, you can have it. Why don't we share it? Great dads are great servants. I think there's a reason why Jesus was such a great servant and tried to demonstrate that to us because he knew it was really, really important. We have opportunities to serve in our community here at church. There's some invite cards on your chairs today. One of the ways you serve God is by inviting people. Uh, in fact, I, I, just, I just told somebody this morning, um, as we drove into church, my wife and I were talking and we said, I wonder if 
these houses here, I wonder if they even know that Bridgewater Vestal exists. How could we help them know that, that Bridgewater exists? And not only that, but that we would love to have them walk through the doors. And we would welcome them. We'd let them hit our golf ball. We wouldn't want them to win the gift card. But we, we would love to have them here at church with us. Do they even know that we exist? Well, one of the ways we serve is by inviting people. Vacation Bible School its a way we serve. Um, it's another way to serve. If you want to register your children, you can online, just so you know. Just throw that out there. Um, there's a list of things to bring for Vacation Bible School. Some people brought stuff today. Thank you so much. But be involved. Serve. There's an author I really like. His name is Paul David Tripp. And here, here's what he said in, uh, in a devotional called uh, New Morning Mercies. You and I don't live only in big moments. We probably make only a couple of big, life-altering decisions our whole lives. We all live in the utterly mundane. We all live in little, unnoticed, unremarkable, mundane moments of life. The little moments of your life are profoundly important precisely because these little moments happen to be the address where you live. The character of any person's life is not shaped by two or three grand big moments of life. A person's character is formed by 10,000 little mundane moments of everyday life. It's the character that is formed in those little moments of life that determine how you think and respond in the few big moments you have. You can't do anything of great faith without doing little things of faith first. Daily faith. Yeah, but you don't understand. I want to part the Red Sea. Okay. Daily faith. Yeah, but you don't understand. I want to walk on water. Yeah. Starts with daily faith. Just like Tom Brady. But I want to win a Super Bowl. Okay. Sit on the bench at the University of Michigan for three years. Start then one year because the senior finally graduated. Get drafted in the sixth round. Sit on the bench until Drew Brudsell gets hurt. Practice every day as hard as you can. And then when the moment comes, maybe. Faith is the same way. Daily faith. Prayer. Read your Bible. Be connected with people who follow Jesus. And get involved in serving. Which one of those four do you need to target this week? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for being such a big God, um, for, for caring about us, for teaching us in the Bible about faith, for giving us so many great examples in your word about, about faith. And God, I think I get carried away sometimes and I start thinking about the big thing. I just want the big moment of faith, the, the life changer moment. And I forget about the mundane, every single day faith that you want us to live with. God, I want to be a, I want to be a great dad. And I recognize that 
I need your help to do that. And I need your help to set great examples for my children in, in daily faith. So please help me. Father, I pray that as men here, we would be godly examples to our families, to our wives, to our children, to our coworkers, to our neighbors. Help us to exercise those muscles of faith. And I pray that you would get glory. Thank you so much for your church. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the baptisms last week at all the different campuses, for the salvations that we've seen, how you keep changing lives. We are so blessed to be a part of what you're doing. Please help us to continue to grow in our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.